Shane, this is uh, episode uh, two uh, of yeah. the convo, and, and I'm bouncing around the idea of like some sort of intro music, and and uh, you know I thought maybe some Cure or Susie and the Banshees or something mm-hmm. like that to kind of you know because we're old because we're old because of our <laughs> yeah. age group, but then I discovered this this guy. He's an Elvis impersonator who sings Danzig covers. His name is Elvig. <laughs> And I believe he's Richmond-based, and he's going to be in Richmond again, I believe, in the next two weeks. And I'm going to maybe head down there and talk to him, see if we can get, like, uh, his version of uh, Mother to to intro. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shane, uh, a a good week for uh, the JMU women to open the season. But but let's start with with the men. they had their big game sat Sunday over at uh, defending NCAA national champion uh, Virginia. Went about went about as well as uh, the second half. Let, let's add that there. It looks like in the second half uh, the Cavs really wore the Dukes down because they hung with them for that first half, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, and you know the people around here who watch UVA play, they've seen this play out exactly like that so mm-hmm. many times. It's a close game, you know, particularly because there's not a whole lot of possessions for them to you know, just run somebody off the floor in the first half. And that's not to take away from JMU playing pretty well in the first half, but you see that all the time where suddenly they've made a couple buckets and several stops. And all of a sudden the game that was seemed like it was close is 20 points. And you're wondering how it got there. And that was kind of the way it happened early in the first half or early in the second half Sunday night, where a game where JMU was pretty competitive for a half and played pretty well for a half um, suddenly got out of hand but, I mean, if you're JMU, maybe you look at it as, you know, UVA got a little bit more offense going in the second half. But for the most part, we hung with them. We scored as many points as Syracuse did. So maybe that's the uh, takeaway you, you look for if you're looking for a positive. What, what did they do in that? What did the JMU do in that first half? Uh, that that I mean, obviously, like you said, a lot of it's got to be attributed to the the wear down factor that UVA has on that defensive side with their pack line defense. But in terms of what was JMU doing in the first half that maybe they weren't doing as well or as easily in the second? Well, they were making threes. It's a simple way to say it. I think uh, Matt Lewis had three threes in the first half. Uh, Darius Banks had a couple, and he didn't make anything in the second half. Um, that's the simple answer, but. They were getting better looks from three in the first half too, which was um, the big difference. You know, I was just out, you know, in the office talking with uh, Daniel Lynn, our photographer, who was at the game too, and he's like, "Okay, try to try to explain to me what the UVA defense was doing." And you know, I kind of went through like what the pack line is, but the main thing in the second half was JMU would kind of rush any. Semblance, semblance of an open look from three, even if they were, you know, well behind the three point line, because they weren't sure they were going to get a better look. And they, it's a weird dynamic in a game like that because, to some degree, that's what JMU wants is they want to get a quick look from three, but at the same time, without Dwight Wilson out there to kind of draw some double teams in the paint, those looks just weren't. They weren't good. They weren't on balance. They were rushed it just and they you know weren't hitting those shots in the second half and they went a long time without scoring in the second half and that's when it got away from them is there an official timetable for Dwight's uh, return nothing official uh as of yesterday um at the press conference at O'Neill's 
Uh, Lou was kind of hoping, you know, maybe he was going to have the boot off today and then they see how it feels. I would imagine there's no real reason to rush him back against uh, Shenandoah <laughs> on Wednesday. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I think they're hoping he's going to be practicing this week to some degree and then they'll see where they stand, you know, before they head up to uh, George Mason this weekend. Uh, quick question: How was the was there a large contingent of JMU fans over at the JPJ Sunday? Not large. There was uh, you know purple scattered throughout the building, and then the section behind the JMU bench with the you know friends and family and parents and everything. But no, it was it was mostly uh it was you know largely UVA crowd. Um, although I was a little bit surprised it wasn't a uh, total sellout. For the uh, first that, game that back. is surprising, yeah. yeah. And I, I sent out a tweet. Um, you know, I might have to dig into this a little bit more. I, I'm kind of thinking attendance might end up being like a story overall in college basketball. I know um, uh, Kentucky they reduced their capacity by three thousand this year. Well, they obviously had a huge arena. They were seating over twenty thousand in the Rupp, <clears throat> Rupp Arena, but you know. Kansas, they were not selling out their exhibitions, which was the first time in many years that wasn't the case. Uh, so that might be something to keep an eye on if, you know, as we get more and more options for watching games on our phones and following score trackers and all that, maybe attendance. We, we've seen it in other sports and might really be hitting college basketball at this point. Uh, w- one general uh, f- look around question uh, on that UVA game. Uh, sat Sunday, uh, you tweeted out that uh, East Rock sophomore Tyler Nickel was sitting behind the UVA bench. Yeah, and yep. that, and that kind of alludes to the fact that he was a guest uh, of Tony Bennett and the Cavs. Yeah, and they were um, he and his family and um, a good friend of his who plays uh, his AAU teammate from Charlottesville, uh, Justin Taylor, who uh, is also has a offer from JMU and uh, his family has ties to JMU. Uh, they were both there on unofficial visits, uh, along with some upperclassmen that uh, UVA had in on official visits, and looked like everyone was having a really good time from uh, what I could see there. <laughs> <laughs> but now back to back to the, the floor. I mean, realistically, realistically, uh, you know, what does J? What is there anything JMU can take from that game against UVA? I mean, it, when you're playing an opponent who's you know the defending national champion uh and, and and runs that kind of defense that that's so, that very well you know realistically what does JMU take out of that cuz they're not going to see an opponent like that again yeah. I mean, they're not no 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 disrespect to the CEA but I mean come on let's be real here they're not they're not going to see the rest of their the, the rest of their non-con schedule and the rest of their conference schedule is not going to have an opponent of that magnitude on it yeah, and it's not even just the magnitude of it. If they were playing, you know, we just talked about Kentucky. If they were playing Kentucky or UNC or somebody, it would be a different ball game. You know, maybe you don't pay so much attention to the wins and losses in a game like that, but you might get something out of playing against that kind of style, you know, before you go play Hofstra. You you don't get a lot out of playing UVA. People who go play UVA, they want to get it done and move on because it's, <laughs> it's a completely different thing. Even... It, you know, looks just, it looks frustrating <clears throat> to play against that defense. They just played against, you know, another pack line team, and it's not the same thing. Like, it's just – that's the amazing thing about what UVA has become is they do that so remarkably well. It's not like, you know, <clears throat> if it was easy to do, everybody in the country would be doing it because that's how UVA turned their program completely around. But it 
it's incredibly difficult to execute that well, but somehow they do it every year, even with new personnel. And, you know, that's the thing for JMUs. They're, they're not going to see, even if they see a team that tries to do the same things, they're not going to see a team that does it like that again. So it's the kind of game where they can kind of just like, okay, we, we went in there, we faced up to the atmosphere. We saw that kind of height. We, there's some things you can take about it, but for the most part, you just kind of throw it away and move on because that's not what you're going to see. Uh, you know, maybe you see how your young players respond to the adversity and respond to getting down or, you know, respond to being close in a game and where maybe they're not expected to be close, but you don't necessarily, you know, strategically, it's kind of just like, you know, we can throw that tape away. <laughs> <laughs> the men just get done playing a, a nationally ranked opponent. Uh, UVA was 11 going into that game. They now moved up to number nine in the latest AP poll. Well, let's jump over to the women who Wednesday are welcoming in a team that was sitting at number four before Monday and is now sitting at number eight, I believe, in Maryland uh, in the Associated Press poll. Uh, real quick, you know, JMU, I mean, it's the best way to talk about that JMU women's game at Villanova this weekend was the Dukes survived. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was one of those games where even though JMU comes in as the team from a mid-major conference where, you know, Villanova's playing in the Big East, I think Villanova, their strategy going in is JMU is more athletic than we are. They're probably a better team than we are. We need to kind of, you know, muck this up turn it into a rock fight, keep it close, see what happens, which is what they did. And it was an ugly game uh, outside of Lexi Barrier and Kamaya Smalls. Nobody really shot well for JMU. Nobody could really get anything going offensively. Um, you know, Both teams went long stretches in the third and fourth quarter without any buckets. It was, it was not a pretty game, but JMU comes away, you know, with a victory and they're two and Oh, going into what potentially, I want to say their biggest game of the season, I guess that depends on how you look at it. it their conference games are going to be their it's biggest. It's the biggest game non-conference game of the yeah. season. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's, this, is the, this is where they get their, their signature win. It's the biggest opportunity of the season. We'll, we'll say that. That's fair. You know, if they win this one, it, it means a whole lot to this program. If they don't win this one, they can move on and get ready for other challenges down the road and, and it's not going to be a rock fight against maryland this is going to be a, a, a more free-flowing game uh i would imagine yeah because um it's one of the few teams jmu will see this year where they're clearly not the most athletic team on the floor you know it was almost you know when we went up to college park to watch that game last year it was you know fairly striking that like all of a sudden there's a team that can out jump and outrun you know, the girls that uh, JMU's put on the floor because they don't see that very often playing in the CAA. Uh, you know, there aren't other Kayla Cooper Williams who are 6'1", 6'2", really long, can jump. There aren't other players like that on the floor for most CAA games. Maryland has two or three players like her, and that's where the matchup becomes tough because, you know, 
everybody wants to have one Caleb Cooper Williams. It's hard to match up with two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what what does JMU have to do to stay in this one and and maybe come out with a win? You know, what do they need to do? <clears throat> they need to uh, do a good job rebounding, which is what, you know, Sean O'Regan talked about in his press conference this week. Uh, it's a big challenge for them. Although uh, Maryland for, you know, they played a tough game with South Carolina. That's a top 10 matchup. But they didn't rebound particularly well in that game. So maybe it's a little bit different look for Maryland. Um, there's maybe some more boards up to grab because they're playing some young players this year. Uh, their leading score is a freshman. Um, but, you know, getting on the boards and not giving Maryland any second chance opportunities is going to be a big key, a big focus for JMU. And then they're going to want to like make more shots, you know, outside shots than they did uh, up at Villanova. And hopefully, you know, they can get Jackie Benitez back in the lineup. She, you know, injured herself in the opener, didn't play Villanova. It's a little bit, you know, questionable just where she stands right now. Um, but she's out there. You, you kind of got to wonder because it's a team. This is a team that has lots of people who can shoot the three. And that's kind of the great equalizer that's been since it was introduced in the college basketball is, you know, if you can hit more threes than maybe you should all of a sudden a team that's not as talented is right there in the game because you're, you know. Because you, you can shoot the lights well, on. Well, you know, you know, one of those, like, newfangled stats that gets, you know, thrown around a lot in recent years is points per possession. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting three points on a possession, like, that, that's a lot better than getting one. Throwing saber, throwing basketball <laughs> sabermatic at us. Yeah. Uh, th- State in the obvious there, but, you know, <laughs> that's really kind of the way it goes. This game is Wednesday. It is the nightcap of a men's-women's doubleheader. The men open the, the night at 5 p.m., right, or 5.30? Uh, 4. At 4? Oh, we're yeah. going early. The yeah, men it's open early. At, at 4 against Division Three Shenandoah out of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, a team we'll hear a little bit more about, one to Bridgewater and Eastern Mennonite get into the – the, the bulk of their conference schedules. Uh, Maryland's, like you lead, alluded to, has got a freshman who's leading the way, uh, scoring for them, Ashley Owusu. Or did I butcher that last name? No, I think that's right, yeah. Uh, what, what do you know about her? What have you seen from her? What are the Dukes going to see from her? Uh, very athletic player. Like, you know, Jamie, you got that good start from their freshman, Kiki Jefferson, who struggled a little bit offensively in the next game out. It's a similar kind of style, like just a player who can do kind of everything all over the floor. Uh, she's averaging 17 points a game so far this year, which is impressive when you consider she stepped onto a team that has a first-team All-American, and you know she's still getting those looks, those shots, those opportunities. Um, it, it just shows you what kind of talent she has to be able to step in right away at a place like Maryland. Um so, yeah, you, you're going to keep an eye on her. And then I mentioned their uh, senior All-American, Kayla Charles, who uh, kind of had her way with JMU last year. You know, she's I, – I mentioned the players who are similar to Kayla Cooper-Williams. She's she's specifically one I'm talking about, you know, at 6'1", who can – you know, has great length, can just go up and grab rebounds over people, which is, you know, something Kayla can do. So you look at those matchups, you know, if they can kind of – keep those two from just going off and taking over a game. They're going to get their points. They're going to get some rebounds. But you want to keep them from going off for 30 while 
also, you know, keeping other people in check. You don't want to get beat by somebody off the bench, obviously, but if they can keep them under control, there's a chance this is going to be a close game down going down the stretch, which you have to like your chances if they're in a packed convo and it's close in the fourth quarter. Let's say this season and similarly to last season, uh, James Madison women get get ousted in the CAA tournament, but they win tonight. They win this Wednesday night game against Maryland. I mean, what does this change the CAA into a multi bid league? Let's say JMU goes out there, the women go out there and just and really get a good win over Maryland. I'm talking, you know, win by five six points, maybe ten points with the last five points because they're fouling to try to get back in the game and jamie's hitting their free throws what does this do for the the bid numbers uh, of the ca does this basically make everyone have to take notice of jmu and you know hey if they don't win we got to kind of get them in it yeah it, it's huge in that regard it would be the kind of you know quality signature win that jmu didn't have in the non-conference last year and jmu has some other opportunities for good wins after this one but yeah, this would be the kind of win that gets people like paying attention to JMU even before February where all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, it's bracket time. Who's good? And you're kind of digging and you're like, oh, JMU's winning their conference again. This would have people, JMU on people's radars from November on, which would be a different you know situation. And, you know, it shouldn't be that way, but that makes a difference when this committee gets together to start picking things if they've had a team on their brain for a while. Um, you know, I don't know if JMU has to win this game to be in line for an at-large bid, but a lot of that is on JMU's shoulders now because the conference just hasn't gotten off to as good a start as they would have hoped. Um, you look at who everybody was coming back in this league, the top four, five teams, you would expect them to be really good, and it's not been a great start uh you know delaware lost the game to maine but they didn't have nicole and abasi um towson their defending tournament champions had basically everybody back and they're off to like pretty terrible start oh and three so far this year and not playing particularly tough schedule you look at we'll go back let's get the way back machine going you're looking at as a conference overall there were multiple opportunities to win games against the Big Ten conferences like that. Towson plays Penn State close in the opener but doesn't get the win. It's a little bit disappointing, but it's really disappointing they follow that up with losses of San Diego and San Diego State. It you know, that's pretty disappointing. UNCW should be a pretty solid team and they're just not even competitive against NC State. You know, Delaware has a fairly bad loss without their best player. Uh, Drexel plays a fairly tough game, but can't get it done against DePaul. Those are all huge opportunities for the conference to like beyond JMU, you know, JMU is going to be in a position where they're in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. If they don't win this league, win the league tournament, but come into the season, there was a possibility that, any whoever was second in this conference could be an NCAA tournament team, and it's not really playing out that way just because these are your opportunities and you're not taking advantage of them right now. So that's part of the reason this is a huge game for JMU is because it's kind of on their shoulders now to get there themselves. It's, they're not going to get as much help from the conference 
RPI-wise as they probably were hoping at this point. And this would be the first eye-opening win for a CAA women's program this year. Yeah. I mean, really, and make yeah. people take notice. Now, this is where uh, if we had a licensing agreement and a licensing budget that uh, Susie and the Banshee would slowly be building up and coming in. But I will bring up this very fact, Shane, that – and you know if you listen to last week's episode, he called it. We asked for a player to watch, and he <laughs> called it. He said Kiki Jefferson, and she had a heck of a debut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she came out off the bench, uh, 17 and 9, right? I don't have the numbers mm-hmm. right in front of me, but yeah. That was her uh, college debut. Um, you know, Longwood was overmatched in that game, but but still, I yeah. Mean, I mean, your first college, your first collegiate game, you go out there, you drop seventeen. Yeah, and you know, maybe even more impressive is they go and play against a solid Villanova team, and she's not shooting well, but she's still grabbing rebounds, getting steals, doing those things, which is you know what you're going to want to see as a, out of a freshman because you can't expect them to shoot well every night. You can't expect them to, you know. You're hoping they don't just disappear for long periods of time. And, you know, even if offensively she wasn't there, she's obviously not disappearing at this point. Yeah, and, and it, gar- it garnered her CA Rookie of the Week award. Yeah. So she's got that going for her. Well, Shane, the, it, let's hope the JMU uh, women's basketball team city does not lie in dust. That was a uh, Susie and the Banshees <laughs> reference that hopefully no one got. Yeah. As uh, when they host Maryland Wednesday, you can follow Shane at uh, Shane underscore DNR Sports. He will be out there. Is it Shane or Medlin? What do you go after? It's Shane. It's Shane. Okay, yeah. so I had it right the first time. <laughs> He'll be out there for uh, both games of the doubleheader. Another long night for you, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on the convo. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Thanks.